Hello, everyone. Welcome to episode 175 of the End Focus podcast. I'm your host, Andy Corrigan. With me, as always, is Andrew Brown. Hello. And Tori Wassana. Hello. And uh, probably a shorter episode this week, because we've just got two things to talk about. That is Tales of Iron, uh, a new platformer, and the Switch release of Danganronpa, a visual novel from hailing way back from the Vita era. So, yeah, no news, no updates. Let's just jump into those two games. Okay, Andrew, as you were saying last week, you're a sucker for uh, animals in medieval settings, uh, and Tales of Iron was apparently that. So uh, how are you going with that one? Loved it. Not the best game I played this year, but maybe one of my favorites. Tales of Iron is a a game where you play as rodents in a medieval setting. They have castles and swords, and they're they're like knights and stuff, and they, they fight wars. Uh, it's a lot like Redwall, but it's as violent as Game of Thrones. And it's narrated <laughs> by Doug Cockle using his Geralt of Rivia voice. So, oh, nice. Yeah, it, it, it's intersecting it from all different directions, just stuff that I love. I'm being ostentatious there. I've never seen Game of Thrones, nor will I. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, I thought it was a really cool premise. And just like I said, I, I loved the Redwall books growing up. So I'll play any game that does that. There's also... Or mellow, which is uh, not as violent as this, but it's also about woodland creatures with swords fighting each other. So I like that game, too. It's also on Switch, and you should check it out. Uh, But in Tales of Iron, it's kind of constructed like a non-linear platformer, you know, something along the lines of Metroid. But Mm -hmm. it's not really. The map is actually very small. There's actually three small maps you explore and you you fast travel between them from a certain point in each town on each map and you get quests that send you down into the areas but there's really no point in exploring the maps because a quest at some point will send you to every place in the map and there's not a lot hidden there there's a few hidden rooms but I, I found it pretty hard to not see them they're they're actually they're on the map so if you just look at the map you'll see them and you might have to poke around to find the door but it's traversed like a like kind of a metroid style platformer but it's not at all played like one it's a very guided linear game if Geralt's narration isn't telling you to go to a place you just you just don't go there yet now as to the quests you have to do them to rebuild this rat kingdom after it's been destroyed by this invading frog army and you play as Reggie who is the new king who was just about to ascend the throne when the frogs attacked and killed his father and sacked the uh the crimson keep which i'm almost certain is a redwall reference <laughs> instead of redwall abbey it's the crimson keep and also the village outside the keep was also destroyed so you have to do quests to raise money and get some other resources to rebuild these places and because the map plural because the maps aren't very large these quests kept sending me back to the same few rooms over and over and over again just to earn the gold coins I needed. And yes, the game even lampshades the fact that you're the king, you should be collecting taxes, not doing uh, manual labor for your citizens, basically, to earn gold coins. But it's a video game, so you do quests to get coins. That's just how it works. And you can only do the quests one at a time, too. So, like, on a few of the quest chains, I had to go back up to town, accept a quest from the quest board, and then go down into the sewers to 
fight the monsters I was supposed to kill to finish the quest, then I had to go back up to turn it back in, accept the next quest from the quest board, and then go back down into the sewers, usually just a few rooms away from where I was. This sounds bad, but it's actually not, because that's how small the maps are. It really only takes a few minutes to zoom back and forth between the different areas. And it gives you a lot of opportunities to fight things, because that is the real essence of this game, is the combat, which is very, very good. Uh, it's a sword and shield fighting game. And you also get some ranged weapons you can throw in, but your ammunition is very, very limited, so you have to use your ranged weapons intelligently. You can't just rely on them to get everything done. Enemies have three different patterns that they attack with that are, are marked by different visual symbols. If it's a yellow kind of like lightning arcing that appears around the enemy's bodies when they attack, then that's an attack that can be parried with your shield. So you need to get your shield up and then time your attack with the shield button to deflect that attack and that leaves him open for a little while to get some hits in and then there's the red like lightning arcs that means that you have to dodge the coming attack and then there's the purple circles which appear around them that means that this attack is going to hurt you need to get out of the way and those are the three different things you have to keep an eye out for so you know how to respond to what's coming but everything attacks in different patterns and the way that their attacks actually work like the speed that they move at and the directions that they travel in and the patterns that they take are all very different so even if I know that I need to block the yellow lightning attacks the specific way I need to do it on each different enemy is actually quite different which I thought was really interesting and that's really the entire game, is you just go from room to room to room, following the narration, just, just fighting things. And there's a quite good enemy variety. In fact, it's not just fighting frog enemies, and it is brutal. This is a bloody game. <laughs> like, Don't <laughs> let the fact that this is uh, starring woodland creatures uh, <laughs> make you think that this is uh, a kid-friendly game, or, or even that uh, I've repeatedly compared it to Redwall, which is a children's book series. This is a bloody, bloody game where you are just splattered with blood by the end of a fight and you're hacking enemies' limbs off and gutting them and their stomachs just spill out. It's it's nasty stuff. <laughs> In order to get better at the combat, you can find a lot of equipment. There's a lot of equipment and there's like a, a weight rating on it. The more, the heavier your equipment that you're carrying and you're wearing is, the slower Reggie moves. I actually found it better to take the lower defense rating uh, to keep Reggie at the lowest weight rating because I found movement for me was a lot more important. But there's a lot of customization that you can approach where if you want to just deck him out in the heaviest armor you can and just eat a few attacks that 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 might be viable i don't know i i found uh keeping reggie light enough that i could dodge every attack that came my way a lot more effective and there's some cool upgrading systems in it like in, instead of finding like you know health expansions or anything like that hidden in the map you have to uh find food and take it back to the castle and give it to your chef and he can prepare different dishes with the different food combinations you find and that's how you expand your health meter i thought that was pretty cool there's a few other hidden things there's a couple hidden bosses that i found that weren't hidden with any great amount of cunning but they were still challenging and like i had to actually take the effort to go to them to fight them 
But like I said, uh, finding anything in this game is not terribly difficult because every room is marked on the map, even the technically hidden ones. But I love this game. I thought it was great. I had a lot of fun with it. I, I bestowed upon it the greatest compliment I can to a game. After I beat it, I went back and I did all the stuff I missed. I almost never do that in a game, but I <laughs> was perfectly willing to do that in Tales of Iron. Like I said at the start, not the best game I played this year. It definitely has some flaws. Like that that non-linear world is is mostly pointless. I think they probably could have done something a lot more interesting just ha building an individual level for each like narrated bit that I follow. That probably would have been more interesting than what they did do where I, I'm just running back and forth across the same few rooms over and over again. That was a little tedious. Uh, but just everything else about the game, loved it. Highly recommend. One of the best indies I played this year. Definitely sounds up my alley. I had a look at the some of the screenshots. Um, had Hollow Knight vibes, but uh, from the sounds of it, the structure is completely different. Uh, yeah, I mean, like, like I said, it, the world is nothing like Hollow Knight. Even the fighting, like you could compare it on a skill level, but just the way you interact with things... And the way you, you fight enemies is very different from Hollow Knight. In Hollow Knight, you dodge everything. Mm -hmm. And if you get hit, you are having a bad time. In, in this mm -hmm. game, you're going toe-to-toe -to -toe with everything quite often. You dodge a lot of attacks, but using your shield intelligently is just as important. And actually, on some of the later bosses, like literally the only opportunity I got to hit them was when I parried their yellow lightning attacks. So yeah, uh, very different mechanically from Hollow Knight, even though it, there are some superficial similarities there. Uh, the important Andy question, how long do you reckon? I finished it in 10 to 12 hours, 100%. Like they've Let's... already released one patch with post-game stuff in it, and that only took me a couple hours to do that. You can't trust the timer the, on the, the your save file because it it doesn't keep track of your time every time you die it always rolls back to your yeah. <laughs> to your last save time so like my save file says like six to eight hours to finish it no it was at least twice that because i died <laughs> a lot <laughs> on some of these bosses uh, glad you liked it and uh tori we're going to talk about danganronpa so uh, did you pick up the triple pack or just the first one just the first one cool kind of wanted to go in order didn't want to get the first mm -hmm. one and figure out that i didn't like it much but yeah i definitely advise playing them in order at the very least oh yeah there's some carryover <laughs> yeah so uh, i'm a massive fan of this uh series i've played all three i own them too many times already to, to want to I'd be like a quadruple dip at this point but yeah they are a set of visual novels except for one spin-off called Ultra Despair Girls which is awful and only worth trudging through if you're really 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 invested in the story the main entries are uh, a set of visual novels that have detective and trial elements they're a lot like the Phoenix Wrights games but they're a lot more stylish the pace is a lot quicker and it just goes to a lot more interesting places like between the two i'm definitely uh, a danganronpa man so yeah so the the story um do you mind if i cover this one oh Sorry. go for it i'm only one chapter in so uh, so you play uh, as a character called makoto who gets sent to a school called hope's peak this school is kind of like reserved for the best of the best in, the, in their field they all have a niche and makoto's is that he's the ultimate lucky student in that he won his place via a national lottery. Uh, so he arrives at school, it's kind of like deserted, he goes hunting, suddenly he's drugged, uh, and when he wakes up, he's with the rest of his classmates, and they're told by a robot bear called Monokuma that uh, they will be held captive there for the rest of their lives unless they manage to graduate. Uh, the condition for graduation is not being good at your studies, but is by being the only one left alive. Each kind of chapter there's a murder, you have to investigate it, you talk to the characters, and then you get thrown in, into a trial thing. The um, the evidence that you find is called truth bullets, 
that comes up in in the trial mechanics. Now, Tori, you've beaten the first chapter, right? Yeah. So I got a I got a taste of all of the base uh, gameplay elements. I think. So those um, those trial elements are constantly evolving. Oh my god! Throughout. So there's always a spin uh, on, uh, and it's always adding new stuff. Now, the thing I liked about it in terms of like a detective trial thing is that that first chapter, like it's really obvious from the first moment you lay eyes on the crime scene who did it. Yeah. Um, like comically obvious. But then the way it unfolds is the thing that subs your uh, expectations of how the trial's going to go. And that's a recurring theme. Like, so even if you think you've got it nailed, like there, there will still be a lot of surprises as you go through the events of actually what happened. Yeah. So what, what were your uh, thoughts so far on the first chapter? I understand you had some questions. Um, so one question that I had that stood out to me, I'm, I'm certain that the first chapter at the very least is set in stone but considering the the size of the cast and this whole presence and trust mechanic of like getting closer to to the cast members is that kind of hinting at it's kind of randomized in some regard or is it not is it fairly heavy entirely scripted okay but if as long as you keep plugging along you're gonna be in for quite a lot of surprises oh boy i i think i actually figured out the surprise for the first one <laughs> um oh, i still won't reveal it it's no the there are hints towards it, but nothing concrete. It very easily starts making you think that um, any obvious clues that you pick up, how obvious are they? Um, trying to read characters' moods and mm-hmm. everything isn't as straightforward as you'd expect. Yeah, so this was the thing. Like When uh, this first one came out, I got recommended it as like, hey, you like Persona, so you'll like this. Whereas Persona is all about building friendships and gaining trust and getting new abilities through that way. Danganronpa is about making you second guess every single person in the game and there's also these mechanics where you can interact with them between uh, the trials and you can give them gifts and things like that so you don't know quite who you should be spending your time with to you know find out more about them are they just going to turn around and betray you if you invest in them i imagine that's probably where some of your thoughts about randomization might come in i just yeah, figured that there's no indication of who's going to be... I don't, I don't know how to phrase it without really giving anything away. <laughs> yeah, it, there's, a, there's a sense where it gives you the impression that maybe the people involved in particular cases are, are swapped around, but yeah. Yeah, no, it's it's all scripted, for sure. Yeah, I love that um, it was almost like, a, you know, like the end of the thing... Where you're, where you're stuck in the situation, one of you's a traitor and you don't know who, who it is. Um, and then getting to the bottom of that in the class trials is just brilliant. The class trials is where it actually gets like its most video gamey, not just in terms of like trying to crack the case, but there's there's some little skill games that'll come up here and there. A rhythm um, game the, and an aiming yeah, game. And, yeah. And you're doing it, the it whole really... asatoni reasoning thing as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it re- really mixes things up, and uh, I really love uh, Monokuma as a as a villain. He's just yes. he's very very wacky, very sinister, uh, and yeah, he he's just there for the for his own entertainment. The the thing that really stood out to me is I can't remember the exact name of what well, one of them has despair in it. One of the titles of the games is it this one? Mm-hmm. Uh, two goodbye despair. Okay. Um, the concept of despair is very heavily given to you at the start of the game, mm-hmm. and you kind of brush it off thinking it's just uh, a trope sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, the whole Sephiroth meme thing, shall I give you despair? Mm-hmm. Um, they really lean into it, I will say. Uh, they don't hold back. Anymore. Yeah. 
<laughs> um, uh, you're going to get drip-fed things. This is a really like bleak game, despite its appearances. Like mm-hmm. it's it's the like the visual style contrasts the concept like really heavily. Yeah, you're going to get drip-fed things, um, which will kind of make the picture a bit more uh, whole. So. Honestly, yeah, just keep plugging away. Um, the one thing I do want to warn you about is one of them, and I can't remember which one it is, might handle some trans stuff a bit poorly. It's an Eastern developer. They always seem to I had to that do hunch that. by the character design of a particular character. It's not... Um, from memory, I could be wrong. I don't feel like it's mean-spirited, although so- some of the characters might act that way because they're dicks basically my memory on that whole sketch on that whole reveal is kind of sketchy but yeah just just be warned i I don't think it's massively bad it's just yeah i feel like a lot of like with um the persona 4 is the standout Mm -hmm. for me in um dealing with gender issues in a japanese game it mm-hmm. never felt mean-spirited it just felt poorly understood Mm. i I think that's what you'll run into yeah Yeah. um yeah and and i i feel like the the japanese developers have that instinct where they feel they could have a character that's an ass and you know have it just be defined to them but people read it as you know messaging and it's impossible to separate really but yeah just just a heads up that that might be a thing yeah that'll be good i i can usually handle it but it's good for any listeners but yeah, so you're going to carry on with it? Oh, for sure. I wasn't fully sold on it. I wanted to finish the first chapter to talk about today, and I'm glad mm-hmm. I did because it shines during those trials. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and um, as you get through, the stories get more and more intricate, and the, the evidence, you know, finding the evidence becomes more entertaining as well. The first one is just like a here's how everything works trial. Yeah, it felt very tutorial. As you said, um, mm-hmm. there's a clue that's uh, if you miss it, I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> yeah, it's it's very obvious, but then the the way it plays out, it's surprising. So well, you you will have moments where you don't know who's going to do it. Yeah, you, you'll have moments where you're certain, but there'll be a twist that you're not expecting that comes out during the trial. Even in um, the the trial itself, like I'm going like this is obvious. Let's let me lay it all out, and then certain mm-hmm. developments happen. I'm going okay. I see why they're taking the time with this now. Yeah. <laughs> there is more to it. That clue is almost like a red herring in terms of how simple the situation is. Now, lengthwise, they are pretty long. There's a lot of reading. Um, mm. Just looking at my an old review I did, it took me 24 hours to beat the first one. Like, I was so engaged with it, it felt like it was five minutes, honestly. And it does speed up. Like, that first chapter is pretty slow. Yeah, it was um, a long chapter, Even I think. Even that short. Well, you know, it's, it's shortish in terms of being a training thing. The other ones are longer, but they feel quicker. It's trying to get what I'm <laughs> what I'm getting at, um, but just yeah. the tension and suspense it creates. Like it's probably my my first go at really really loving a visual novel. Next one you have to play is Doki Doki Literature Club. Then I've already played that. I know. Oh, okay, good. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, uh, I definitely recommend it, and I, I hope you see through the trilogy because uh, yeah, they're they're all entertaining and they bring their own thing to the whole scenario. So <laughs> yeah, I'm looking forward um, to it. Uh, And uh, that's it for a short episode. Okay, before we get into what we're playing next week, just a heads up about next week's episode. Um, it is going to be a focus on any announcements from the Game Awards, if if there are any. I don't think any of us have ever 
proclaimed to be massive fans of the event itself but uh this year <laughs> quite the opposite yeah yeah uh they've decided to uh not acknowledge anything of the the blizzard stuff doing the rounds and calling it not taking sides which actually is taking sides so yeah th- there'll be no um pro jeff keefley or keely however you pronounce it in america uh, sentiments on here or any focus on the awards themselves we're just there for the announcements so fyi yeah just that's a whole messy situation and cowardice <laughs> they backtracked and, uh, but not very well yeah and there's a was there's an activision member on the on the board so that that's unsurprising isn't it his name is so similar to the the person in question that i thought it was a misness <laughs> yeah. nrub situation uh um, so yeah, so that's the thing that that's what the next episode will f- focus on. So there were, might not be as much on the games, but uh, Andrew, you're planning on checking out Loop Hero? Yeah, that's out next Thursday, so I'll spend some time with that, and hopefully our unusual schedule for the remainder of December will give me an opportunity to talk about it. I've I've played a couple of the levels on on PC, so I'll jump back into that uh, and have a refresher before we record. So I'll I'll say that I'm playing that as well then. Um, and Tori, uh, Duncan Romper, hopefully. Because I just also got a new Xbox, so managing my time between Game Pass and Switch, it's going to be a juggle, but Romper is my focus. <laughs> Thank you for listening to this episode of End Focus. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave us a review on iTunes. It really helps us to get noticed. And you can also listen and subscribe on Stitcher, Spotify, and other podcast services. And you can also check out our sister shows, PlayState and the power of x for coverage of playstation and xbox releases be sure to join our discord server to interact with our lively game podular community you can follow us on twitter youtube and at gamepodular.com for updates news and other content links are in the show notes if you'd like to support our shows you can buy us a coffee or become a game podular patreon and the details for both are found on our website thank you in advance this episode was edited by Andy. You can follow him on Twitter at FlameRoastToast. I'm at PlayCritically. You can read my long-form reviews at PlayCritically.com. And Tori is at Stu2, that's S-T-W-T-W-O, and she streams at Twitch.tv slash Tori, S-T-W. <laughs>